This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everybody, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. I am a, as I think everybody knows, I am a Star Trek fan. I like um, almost every version of Star Trek. I'm in the process of re-watching uh, Star Trek The Next Generation now. It's quite good. It has aged. You know, uh, when I remember watching it when it was first on, and it felt very futuristic, very present. I'm, go- I'm going back now and watching some of those episodes, and it really does look like 30 years ago or, or more, because it was 30 years ago. So, um, if you remember the original Star Trek, one of the things as the, in that opening monologue that Captain Kirk, played brilliantly by William Shatner, outlines for the viewer as the mission of the Enterprise is to, of course, you know it, you're probably saying it to yourself even before I tell you, to boldly go where no man has gone before. By the way, Elias, that is not William Shatner as Captain Kirk. How how, how did we pick that? One of the most famous monologues in history. That That's Scott Bakula from, I guess, Enterprise. How did we pick that over the iconic William Shatner as Captain Kirk? You know, my old family will be disappointed, and it's really a shame. No, but I, I honestly, I'm asking how. I, I, I honestly feel like it probably took more effort to find that Scott Bakula clip rather than simply go to the episode of one of 78 episodes of Star Trek, the original series. Well, you, you know, Frank, you can never trust the internet, right? I suppose so. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Sounds like Scott Bakula. So anyway, that's what would greet you. Not that, but those words would greet you at the beginning of every Star Trek episode, although they were said much more dramatically by William Shatner as Captain Kirk. And now, you know, Bob used to say, hey, the world is sick and getting sicker. I have to think if he'd be around today, he'd be saying the galaxy is sick and getting sicker. Because members of the European Parliament, according to reports, are planning to address the gendered language in the iconic introduction to Star Trek. It was GB News reported on the initiative, which was apparently inspired by a 61-page document titled Toolkit on Gender-Sensitive Communication, which was published by the European Institute for Gender Equality. In addition to advising against the use of phrases like no man's land, suggesting unclaimed territory as an alternative, 
The document, excuse me, I'm getting choked up over this. The document addressed the problematic goals of the Federation, namely to, as Scott Bakula described it, to boldly go where no man has gone before. According to the group's findings, statements such as that one created an environment where women may be subject to invisibility or omission. I, 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 I give up. I, I just, I can't. This is a TV show from the 1960s that is now being potentially legislated by the European Parliament and censored. Now, Star Trek itself rectified this because from the original series was on for three years starting in 1966. 21 years later, when Star Trek The Next Generation started airing, there was a different opening narration by not Captain Kirk, but Captain Picard. A little bit more in keeping with the times. You know, this was the 80s, the late 80s and the 90s. This wasn't the free love, freewheeling 1960s. So Captain Picard, played by Patrick Stewart, had a little bit more of a gender-neutral narration, which I'm going to play for you, which I hope, anyway, is Captain Picard, played by Patrick Stewart. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Kudos, Elias. That was indeed Patrick Stewart. So in the, they fixed it themselves in the Star Trek universe. They kept up with the times. Star Trek, which aired in the 60s, was appropriate for the vernacular of the 1960s. That's how people spoke. Star Trek The Next Generation was appropriate for the vernacular of the 1980s and 90s because that's how people spoke. That was, that, you know, they, you keep up with the times. You change with the times. So William Shatner, who is, you know, has been a guest on this program, close personal friend of mine, not really, but I'd like to think he is. See, that's something... If I got the invite to watch the Super Bowl at his house this year, I would um, absolutely drop all my plans to do that. I have to um, I have to see about fishing for a Super Bowl invite. i got to see the best way to figure that one out. All right, we'll put that aside for now. Shatner, who delivered the line as part of the introduction of each Star Trek episode, was not convinced that this was a wise thing to do. So he tweeted... Presentism at work yet again. Why start at Star Trek? On Twitter, he wrote, suggesting that there were certainly more important historically significant documents that should be addressed first. Isn't it better to start at the beginning and redo foundation materials such as the Magna Carta, religious writings, works of Shakespeare, before worrying about a silly TV show opening that reflects social commentary of the time? If people are offended by six seconds of dialogue recorded in 1966 without a modicum of understanding of the social issues at the time, there's bigger issues that they need to deal with first, like educating themselves. Shatner is absolutely right. Now, Shatner is not an uh, ultra-right-wing, anti-woke crusader. He is the biggest crusader for the environment that I'm aware of. He's a Canadian citizen, so he probably supports the evil of single-payer health care. And yet, even he sees the absurdity of this. And so does everybody else, right? Right? 800-848-9222. One person responded, 
to Shatner by asking if the EU planned to ban the words of American astronaut Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong must be spinning in his grave. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Will he be canceled in the EU for leaving out an A? Is the word mankind misogynist? We live in foolish times. That's what uh, Rye Brooks said in response. I think Shatner and those that concur with him are exactly right, but there was an alarming number of people that said they agree with the EU changing this gendered language. I just don't know, with everything that's going on in the world today, how any government entity thinks this should be a priority. But sure enough, the EU was calling for gendered language to be banned with phrases like no man's land or Joe Public they also want to redo king and queen, by the way, to put make it queen and king, to put the female first. That is what the EU is doing, according to this 61-page document advising policymakers, legislators, and the media to revise the order of common phrases. Now, so far, in spite of this document being released, and by the way, even some... MPs are calling this nonsense and saying the same thing that I have said, that the EU has far more serious issues that it should be concerned about. So far, I because I don't want to overstate this, because I feel like uh, right-wing media, they love to inflate a controversy just for the sake of having something to talk about, and I don't want to be guilty of that. I have not yet seen, in response to the toolkit on gender-sensitive communication document, compiled by the European Institute for Gender Equality, I have not seen any TV network saying that they're taking the phrase where no man has gone before out of the opening of Star Trek. So far, I don't know of a single TV outlet in Europe that is saying we're not going to air where no man has gone before anymore. There's some other interesting things in this document that are ridiculous. It adds that the term uh, shrill and pushy have long have strong connotations that are strongly associated with only women and should be replaced with high-pitched and assertive. So don't say shrill, say high-pitched. Don't say pushy, say assertive. And by the way, virile apparently is considered strongly associated with only men. That should be substituted with strong or energetic. But... The famous Star Trek line, to boldly go where no one has gone before, is noted in the bundle as an example for which women may be subject to invisibility or omission. And you you know why I really hate this? Because Star Trek is such a progressive show and was for its time. In the 60s, to have women in, in positions of command and black people at a time when a lot of the country was still dealing with Jim Crow and to show things like interracial kisses and uh, um, Russians working with Americans at the height of the Cold War and Asians working alongside white people at the height of the Vietnam War. It sent such an important message about moving the ball forward for all person kind. And yet, That's now being held up in this document 
as an example of backwardsism. So I agree with Shatner. This whole trend towards um, presentism, as he heard, refers to it, and I've never heard that except in his tweets, but I I think it's interesting. This whole trend towards presentism has got to go. You cannot judge TV shows that aired in the 60s by the standards of um, 21st century America. You know, there. my friend Jay Diamond, who's the world's biggest Big Crosby fan, gifted to me about 12 years ago a DVD. I'm one of the few people that still watches DVDs called Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby. Great picture, and it's one of the Bing Crosby films that features the song White Christmas. And in that picture, Holiday Inn, Bing Crosby and a couple of other performers, they actually perform in blackface. They do. And... If that film had come out in 21st century America, forget about it. There's no way that you would see a star of Crosby's magnitude performing in blackface. And yet, in 1942, this major motion picture with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire and Marjorie Reynolds, that was considered, it didn't even raise a blip on the radar screen. Because times change. What's okay for 1942 may not be okay for 2042. What's okay for 1966 might not be okay for 1987. And for the EU to specifically call out Star Trek in this document, it's just it's ridiculous. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Wilfred in New Jersey. Hi, Wilfred. Uh, hi. I wanted to say to you that all this stuff going on now with the EU and all that, the it's all the PC. They don't. They want everybody to not say direct things. Like in Congress, they can't say you're lying. They say, "Oh, we gotta. You can't say that." You understand? They just like I called you once, and I told you people used to know Americans by the way they talk because they didn't hold back. Like Trump, he talks like America used to talk. But ever since they come up with this PC, everything is. You know, you can't say nothing bad, nobody. Well, I, I mean, I, I, Wilfred, I think you're right. I think that's a fundamental part of the problem. Yeah, I, uh, I do agree with you. 800-848-9222. Abby is in Manhattan. Hi, Abby. Abby? All right, Abby's got other things to do. 800-848-9222. Uh, Charles is in the Queens. Hi, Charles. Good morning. Morning. Um... I'd like to make a comment about GoFundMe uh, that you spoke about, as well as about Iran. Go ahead, be my guest. Be my guest. It's all comments. Okay, the GoFundMe, you're obviously indignant why people are upset at the GoFundMe, uh, you know, asking to GoFundMe, but she has millions of dollars. Yeah, by the way, uh, just Charles, let me, let, Charles, yeah, so just so if people are just tuning in or um, they're listening in a market that doesn't carry all four hours of the show, what I was talking about was uh, Alyssa Milano, the actress, putting up a GoFundMe for her child's uh, trip to Cooperstown, and a lot of people were critical of her uh, because they say she and her husband should have just paid for this themselves, but go ahead. Okay, now in the GoFundMe, she's not... Uh, explain that she's paying for, for their, the team's uh, uniform and other things, right? She just asked for the money. That's my so understanding. Most people yeah. are looking at it. She has a 12-year-old son. Should we pay for his clothing as well? 
they don't know that she's paying already for other things. And she's a GoFundMe for $10,000 for extras. Okay, it makes sense then. But if she doesn't say that she's paying for certain things, maybe we should pay for her phone bill as well. Uh, Con Edison also, you know, that's the way people, it appeared to people. So I'm just saying, it, to, to me, it, they saw it that way. And okay, it makes fair, sense fair enough. Saying, you know, Fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. Um, maybe it just it just looks bad, and people didn't have the full context. It, 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 they weren't told the full context. Right. Okay. They weren't Ma- given that. Makes sense. Okay. And as far as Iran goes, you're saying starting a war. Uh, I'm not uh, a politician. I, all, all I don't see it as starting anything. It's certainly not a war. The way I see it is that Iran is. A, is, according to almost everyone, at the number one terrorist state. Now, they've been poking the beer, we're not the beer, we're the elephant, whatever you want to call America, looking over 150 times they attacked. So we're supposed to, I believe, we should attack them. They're not going to attack back. It's not going to start a war. Right, right. Well, we should but, do something well, well, drastic. Charles, Charles, couple things. One, when you say they've attacked 150 times, They've attacked us in the Middle East where we're not wanted, and yet we're insisting, even though Syria doesn't want us there, even though Iraq doesn't want us there, we're insisting on maintaining troops there, um, even though the, the Houthis, which are in control of Yemen, don't want us there, we're insistent upon staying there. So, I mean, if Chinese or Russian troops were in our country and they were being attacked by American military, would you really be phrasing it as the Americans I'm are attacking the Chinese? or the Russians, or would you be saying they're repelling an invasion? No, I hear you. But we're not in their country. We're not in Iran. Maybe we shouldn't be in Syria and Iraq. But what's, why is it Iran's issue that we're in those countries? Well, in the, case in, of, in, in the case of Syria, right, just like uh, America is has an ally in Israel— Syria is is backed by an Alawite regime who is very right, close. They're helping Syria. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So, I mean, the, uh, so, so we're essentially okay, occupying militarily and carrying out regular attacks on uh, countries that are allies of Iran. Now, look, uh, Iran is a horrible regime. Not only are they deeply anti-Semitic, not only are they deeply anti-Israel, but if you're in Iran, you don't have any sort of freedom. There's no freedom to dance. There's no freedom of expression. Uh, Forgetting about, you know, being a a woman with full women's rights or trying to be gay. Forget about that. So I don't want to sound like I'm defending an autocratic regime. I just, and, and then the last part of what you said where you said we shouldn't attack them because uh, uh, how did you phrase it? You said they won't they won't respond. It won't start a war. We just uh, we should hit them hard. Now, we should kill three dozen of IRGC uh, members, terrorists, and I get the message. Oh my gosh, we we, we better cut it out. I, I think all, it wouldn't start a war. I think the more people that say this, Charles, this guarantees why every country in the world, not just Iran, which I think is probably along this path anyway, but every country in the world 
is going to insist that they develop a nuclear weapon because the one commonality of every country in the world that has nuclear weapons is they've never really been attacked by another country. You know, North Korea, as much as North Korea drives us crazy, there's never any discussion about regime change in North Korea or invading North Korea because what would happen is we don't want them to launch hydrogen bombs or nuclear or nuclear bombs. In the case of Ukraine, they gave up their nuclear weapons voluntarily and what was their reward for it they got invaded in the case of libya he gave up his weapons of mass destruction what was his reward regime change so i think the more people hear about this and i i think your sentiment is an accurate one and it speaks for a lot of people in this country and maybe all over the west the more people say what you say, I think that sends a message to every country in the world not only to not disarm but to demand that if they don't already have nuclear weapons, they develop them. I think that is a recipe for disaster. Um, to say, we're going to send a message to Iran. No, Iran is going to retaliate in a manner that is much greater than anything you saw with the Iraq War. 800-848-9222. Uh, Robert is in Suffolk. Hi, Robert. Hey, good morning, Frank. I'm against this revisionist garbage being pushed by socialists and communists with DEI, woke, and all this other nonsense. It's taking away freedom of expression, speech, and erasing history. Really. It's no good. It's not good for the culture. It's not good for the people. I, I agree with you, Robert, completely. I mean, I don't see who is being helped by this. I don't see any, you know, and I have a lot of women in my life that I'm very close to, and I'm all for, you know, gender equality and um, having women have every opportunity that men have and all sorts of other things. I don't see any woman in my family or any woman that I'm friends with being at all discriminated against because Captain Kirk is saying where no man... To boldly go where no man has gone before. Ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm with you, Robert. Thank you. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your call straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now. Go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoe. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face, slander my name all over the place. We'll do anything that you want to do, but not, uh, honey, lay off them shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoes. Let's go, cat. Blue suede shoes by the great Elvis Presley, recorded on this date in 19. 19- 56, uh, and still just as great today as it was back then, really, if not more so. Hey, you remember, just I want to do a couple of follow-ups to stories that we've uh, discussed recently. You remember the story we did about Crystal Hefner? Crystal Hefner has written a book about her husband, uh, Hugh Hefner, who died while she was married to him. It's called Only Good Things, and it gets its title. I don't know that I mentioned this last time. It gets its title because Hef asked her, please, when I'm gone, only say good things. Well, she has absolutely not lived up to that request in spite of getting paid pretty handsomely both while Hef was alive and afterwards. And I think what she's doing is pretty despicable, benefiting from Hef's largesse and their marriage financially, uh, getting $7 million in cash and $5 million house. And she's doing interview after interview, basically bashing Hef as a creepy old man and uh, talking about, you know, n- really nothing positive, honestly, I'm from what I can tell. So Scott Bayo has um, decided to release a statement from the second Mrs. Hefner, Kimberly Hefner. And uh, Kimberly Hefner was married to Hugh Hefner from 1989 until 2010 when they divorced. And they have two children together, including uh, Cooper Hefner, who's, who kind of became one of the faces of the Playboy brand in the later days of um, Hef's empire. And um, this is the statement that Kimberly Hefner put out that Scott Bayo distributed on Twitter. I'm speaking out now for the first time about Hef because she really hasn't said anything about him since they divorced. I'm speaking out for the first time about Hef because I feel compelled to speak on behalf of someone I love who is no longer here to speak for himself. Hef lived an exceptional and impactful life as a pioneer of free thought and expression and was a leading voice behind some of the most significant social and cultural movements of our time, advocating for free speech, integrity, sexual freedoms, and civil rights. Through Playboy, he defined a lifestyle that lies at the heart of how many people think and feel. Because of that, 
the brand remains one of the most recognizable and enduring in history and continues to be celebrated as he is by millions worldwide. With all his success, Hef was also a man. He was a friend, a father, and my husband for 21 years. As a few people speak their version of their idea of events in hopes of riding a wave of headline relevance and making a quick buck, we should all ask ourselves whether we want to live in an environment where people refuse to take accountability and use words loosely like force and survive to describe choices they made willingly at a certain point in their own lives. Choices that weren't forced, choices that gave them notoriety, opportunity, and money. We should be wary of those who try to destroy things because they are no longer benefiting from them. People like that will never hold credibility, in my opinion. If you want to talk about exploitation, this is exactly what these women have done with Hef in his later years and at the end of his life. I, I thought that was a brilliant statement, and it's much a much more articulate version of anything that I said, but it has, at the time of this Crystal Hefner thing, but it really has so much more credibility because Kimberly Hefner, formerly Kimberly Conrad, was married to Hef a lot longer than Crystal Hefner was. And look, obviously they had their differences. There's a reason that they got divorced. But I give this woman so much credit for standing up for her ex-husband amidst this barrage of publicity-driven attacks, which as far as I'm concerned is just driven by greed. By the way, also, I was looking at that um, Vince McMahon lawsuit that we talked about yesterday, and the more I look at this, it's clear, you know, Vince uh, is kind of a creep. But the more I look at this, the more I think to myself, this woman who's the per, the plaintiff bringing this lawsuit against Vince McMahon, she had ample opportunity to do something else. First of all, Vince McMahon did not discover her living in a cardboard box outside of a wrestling arena. She was living in the same Stamford, Connecticut townhouse that that Vince was. I mean, basically a luxury condo building. So clearly she was not destitute and she would continued to have this relationship with Vince for years. And apparently early on when she started talking to him about getting a job, he would do some of these discussions with her in his underwear. Now, if a guy, even a 72-year-old man at the time, if a guy is having meetings with you in his underwear about a job, don't you think that's a pretty likely harbinger of how your relationship is going to turn out? And then let's say the first time he does something with you sexually that you don't want to do. Would you, let's say it's against your will, as has been described in some of the court documents. Would you go to the police? Would, would you A, go to the police, B, stop doing it, or C, accept tens of thousands of dollars in lavish gifts? Well, the woman who's suing McMahon now chose option C, accept all the lavish gifts. And then when clearly she didn't get her portion of the gravy train uh, because she was supposed to get $3 million in a as part of the agreement to sign the non-disclosure agreement, and Vince only paid her a million dollars. By the way, I mean... I don't know what Vince is thinking. You know, you just got $5 billion from Netflix. Give her the full $3 million that you promised her. I don't know why um, 
he would do that, but apparently that's his M.O. He's ripped off a lot of people over the years. And I think that um, I think that, that was very foolish on, on his part. But honestly, you look at what was going on here, and I read most of this lawsuit, and it's, there's some really disgusting things here. There's some very funny things, like uh, apparently he would use uh, what I'll call sex toys on her that he would name for professional wrestlers. I mean, can you imagine? How, how do you like that? Take that Ludwig Borga in you. Um, like, you know, that's kind of weird. Other parts are just kind of disgusting. But the thing that was amazing to me is not only did she keep working there in a relatively insignificant role, it seems like her role there was continue to work there in the hopes of just continuing to be Vince McMahon's girlfriend and and get paid. And then there's the one portion about her relationship with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar demanded, apparently, or requested that he send her a video of her peeing. Now, women out there, if even if it was directed by Vince McMahon, if someone asked for a video of you urinating, would you send it to them? This lady, according to her own lawsuit, did. Now, again, I'm sure Vince is going to have a very different version of events he's already publicly come out and said this is not true but you know what's amazing to me also is a lot of these allegations probably came out last year when vince was uh let go or when he retired from the wwe and yet even though they knew all this sexual stuff which you know even if you look at it in the manner that is most charitable to vince even if you look at it To his benefit, it's unseemly. Yet, even with a publicly traded company that was being sold to a brand new publicly traded company, they still brought him back, which is amazing to me, which tells me that I think they're going to bring him back again. I really do, even with all this stuff that's out there. I think uh, they didn't want to take the hit because Slim Jim and other advertisers were pulling their ads and saying, we don't want a relationship with the WWE right now or TKO right now. So they got rid of Vince. I think there's uh, ample evidence to suggest from his track record that he's probably still in charge. And I think when this blows over, I think they're going to bring him back as executive chairman again. The other issue... Do you remember, uh, and again, this is kind of a a follow-up, an an umbrella follow-up on all all sorts of different things. Do you remember the hockey player that uh, that died, unfortunately? A very, very sad situation where a a hockey player's skate cut essentially another hockey player's neck. Well, just this week, USA Hockey is now mandating that hockey players wear neck guards and supply chain uh, and now supply them to all youth hockey players. I think this is a positive thing. You know, again, I realize that it's not a typical thing for hockey players to die on the ice, but I think this um uh, there's a lot of youth hockey leagues around the country where neck guards are already the norm. I think this is a good thing. And uh, it's a shame that a hockey player had to die in order for more hockey leagues, not just in this country, but around the world, to start uh, implementing this. But that's that's where we are. Uh, penultimately, we I, my a friend of mine 
called me yesterday in response to the discussion about our cat, Ed, and me seeing the photo and her seeing the photos that we posted of Ed. And she's interested. She doesn't have a cat currently. Her cat died a few years ago and it really broke her heart and she hasn't gotten one since. And uh, she is interested in potentially adopting Ed. And she lives not far from us. So I would love it if 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 anybody adopts him, that it would be her, because this way at least we could still see Ed. So I think she's going to come over on maybe a Thursday or Friday of this week and meet with the cat and uh, see about, you know, see about potentially adopting this cat. And I hope it works out because I know this person will give the cat a very good home. And then lastly... And if you want to come in on any of this, you can. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Lastly, I um, am still experiencing this thing. I'm still trying to bike as much as I can. And I still think it's a little bit, I feel like Sisyphus, you know, continuing to push the rock up the hill because I'm biking and I'm biking and I'm biking. And I find that I just eat more. I feel like I'm really not getting ahead in any of this. Now, you feel good. You feel like you have more energy. You got the endorphins and everything. But you spend all this time on the bike, and then I, I can't walk past these peanut M&Ms that are in the kitchen. So there's that. All right. Uh, three open lines if you want to comment. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. E. Frank is in Astoria. Hi, E. Frank. Yes. Uh, hi, Frank. Thank you for taking my call sure. this morning. Uh, you know, you're talking about nuclear uh, problems with other countries like North Korea uh, and North Korea and driving us crazy. You know, I don't think anyone is stupid enough in any of those countries to press the button on us. You know, we have a very uh, incompetent president at this time. And, you know, I, uh, Frank, you know, we have also a very incompetent United Nations you know, after the U.S. There's nothing I enjoy now, more than hearing E. Frank world, opine like about China the competence of others. Going to, uh, go into a war with us. Also, with Saddam Hussein, how we destroyed him in Desert Storm. I applaud Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for saving the state of Israel and all his people with the IDF. You have to be very brave and strong to confront bullies like uh, the North Korea. We have nuclear packs. We had salt treaties in place. I mean, who is stupid enough to destroy our Earth like that? Can you just explain to the audience that no one wants a nuclear holocaust? Yeah, I certainly don't. I don't imagine any right-thinking human, wherever they happen to live, does either. You know, I really do have to part company with what you said with respect to Netanyahu. I really view October 7th as a tremendous failure of Netanyahu's leadership. I mean, we now know there are reports that um, the IDF was warned that an attack like this was coming, and yet Netanyahu was caught completely unprepared, I believe, because, I've, I mean, there's, I think, a variety of reasons, but I think he was totally focused on other things, not the defense of Israel, a tremendous underestimation of Hamas, and uh, I think he was focused on reforming the Supreme Court to a direction that would be more to his liking, and his own corruption trial. 
I don't think his focus was on Israel's defense at all. And I think that's how October 7th was able to happen. Now, I don't want to in any way excuse Hamas. It was just terrible. But I think just as George W. Bush owes the American people an explanation for how they got the presidential briefing that said Osama bin Laden determined to attack within the United States and then allowed al-Qaeda and bin Laden to attack within the United States, I think Netanyahu owes the people of Israel a similar explanation. I really do. Uh, by the way, just since he brought up the Middle East situation, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, I mean, unless people want to comment, but Nancy Pelosi was on uh, CNN on Sunday. I didn't get to play this yesterday. And you know all these Palestinian protesters that are on college campuses and uh, all over the place protesting um, against Israel and in support of the Palestinians or, you know, some version of that. She had a very interesting take on what was driving the Palestinian protesters. Have you heard this? Listen to what Nancy Pelosi said. For them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some, I think, are connected uh, to Russia. So she said that some of the pro-Palestinian protesters are connected to Russia. That was on Sunday. And I was going to let it go because, look, when you get to a certain age, you know, we're all uh, privy to, um, you know, we're all... We all tend to say crazy things. I say crazy things without being Nancy Pelosi's age. But then yesterday, she's caught on camera scolding the pro-Palestinian protesters outside her house. And what would you think she would say if she was consistent with what she said on Sunday? You'd think she'd say, hey, go back to Moscow or something like that. But instead... And, you know, her voice is kind of garbled, but you can see what she's saying. It's easier to see. Just pull it up yourself. You'll see. Instead, she shouts back to the Palestinian protesters, the pro-Palestinian protesters outside her house, and tells them to go back to China because that's where your headquarters is. So on Sunday, she was saying that the pro-Palestinian protesters were backed by Russia, and on Monday... The uh, pro-Palestinian protesters, at least the ones that were protesting outside of Nancy Pelosi and her home, were backed by China. Does seem a little inconsistent, particularly when you're not producing any evidence of either. But that's neither here nor there. All right, 800-848-9222, two open lines if you want to comment. David is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hey, David. Yes, good morning, Frank. I was wondering how long it was going to take you to attack the victim in the Vince McMahon case. You know, you don't know this woman. You don't know what she went through or her mentality. What I know from reading, I read the entire lawsuit, by the way, and I also read the entire article or listened to it from the Wall Street Journal. Her parents had recently died, which is why she was living in that townhouse and in bad financial shape. People like Vince McMahon... They know how to select their victims. If anything, that man is, is like a wolf. He, could, he knows how to spot wounded animals to prey on, and that's what he did. I mean, let's be honest. The guy 
settled cases totaling almost $20 million and had non-disclosure agreements. That is not some innocent guy. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying he's innocent. However, I mean, if you look at what Janelle Grant is saying here, at some point, David, wouldn't you do one of two things, either go to the police or stop accepting all these gifts? All right, listen, this is the issue. We know that there are women, for whatever reason, they put up with all kinds of abuse. And you and I could stand back and say, well, I wouldn't do that, or I would do something different. Listen, that's us, okay? We're not of the same character or mental condition as these people. There are women who put up with all kinds of abuse. And and it's easy to look at them and say, well, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't she just call the police? You know what? In the situation that she was in, it, it might not have occurred to her. Vince McMahon spent a lot of time grooming this woman. If you read the text messages, yep. that is some very sick stuff. And sharing her with John Laurinaitis and trying to share her with, with uh, Brock Lesnar. I mean, this, this, is, this literally is sex trafficking. Vince McMahon. And, and if, he's it's after, if it's true. If it's true. Yeah, well, listen, like I said, you don't pay out $3 million in a settlement if it's not true. Have you ever done that, Frank? Have you ever paid out a couple million? Well, you don't have a couple million Well, no, but but, but this is an important point, though, David. Um, No, I've never obviously uh, paid out anything in, um, you know, in any sort of sexual harassment uh, lawsuit or anything like that. But would you agree, because I know wealthy men that have paid out these settlements, some of these are men that have cheated on their wives or done some other things that they don't want coming out in court, and some of these men do pay off these women because they don't want to go through discovery and they don't want all sorts of embarrassing things coming out about their extramarital affairs or anything like that. So while obviously, look, I think Vince McMahon is is a creep, but wouldn't you agree that there are some women that will target folks that have money specifically to get money? Oh, I I have no doubt. You know, the the term gold digger exists for a reason, but I don't think that's what happened in this case. I think if you look at the pattern, because there's a pattern here, and people like Vince McMahon, this wasn't his first time at the rodeo. He clearly has done this before. When you have billions of dollars and you live in a bubble like he does, where he's just surrounded by flunkies like Bruce Pritchard and, and, and this other gentleman whose name I can't remember, the one he was sharing the woman with, you have a mentality that is not normal. And apparently, you know, this guy, and listen, I used to be a fan of wrestling, and I used to like Vince McMahon, especially when he was an announcer with Jesse Ventura. Their, their sure. uh, back and forth was very funny. Right. But this guy apparently, and, and by the way, Linda McMahon, they don't live together. They haven't lived together for many years. She lives in Florida. She works for a Trump Super PAC. And they're married in name only. So she's not a victim in this at all, just for the record. But, you know, Vince McMahon, he, I think, will not be coming back because these allegations are not going to go away. And I believe the longer this goes on, the more likely other women will come forward. Because trust me, there are other women. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, David. You know, I I will just say it seems like this was consensual, right? It seems like McMahon did sexually harass her. Because it seemed like, based on what's in the lawsuit, he was holding, again, I want to do a whole McMahon thing, but it was holding over uh, promotion for her. And, you know, he said he was going to make her a vice president, but they had to start her as a lower level director. It seems to me she's ticked off that she didn't get the promotions that Vince promised her when she was going along with all of his or many of his sexual proclivities. 
and he didn't get she didn't get the three million dollars that he that he uh, promised her just last year to adhere to the NDA. Right. I mean, had she gotten paid the full three million that McMahon had promised her? I, I don't know that we'd know any of this. 800-848-9222. We'll continue in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. this date and Friday is Groundhog Day and a lot of people are skeptical of the ability of the groundhog to predict the weather I certainly am so I did a little research to see if there are other animals that are better at predicting the weather than the groundhog and it turns out there are You know who's better at predicting the weather than the groundhog? The frog. These loud amphibians are said to croak even longer and louder than usual when bad weather's on the way. And when you hear their volume increase, you can assume that a storm is brewing. You know who else? Birds. Depending on how low birds are flying, we can gauge how bad the weather is going to be. It's been said that if birds are flying high, the weather is clear. But if they're flying closer to the ground, the air pressure of a storm system is causing them pain at higher altitudes. And this was a a big surprise. Cows. Farmers claim that these animals, cows, can forecast the weather. According to some farmers, when cows sense bad weather, they become restless and antsy and begin to swat flies with their tails or lie down in the pasture to save a dry spot. Now, I'm certain I'm against the cancel culture, right? I am not for canceling the groundhog. I don't care how often Punxsutawney Phil and Malvern Mal and Staten Island Chuck get it wrong. It's a holiday which should be preserved, right? There's a great movie about it, and there's a long tradition of celebrating the groundhog on February 2nd. I'm certainly not suggesting we change that. However, what about getting one of these animals that can predict the weather and is shown to be more accurate than the groundhog? What about getting them a day and seeing how they do in predicting an early spring? How about, you know, you don't like a frog day? You don't like a uh, cow's day? How about sheep? When sheep gather in a huddle, tomorrow we'll have a puddle. And that's a rhyme that sounds cute, but the weather that comes with it isn't. 
it's believed that you can expect a storm when sheep crowd together and shield each other. And this is one that my son is going to love because he likes these creatures that I'm about to mention. Ladybugs, one of the cutest insects around, can give us a hint about the day's thermostat. When they swarm, you can expect a day that's warm. On the other hand, if you notice the black and red ladybugs looking for shelter, then cold weather is on the way. I mean, maybe this could be our claim to fame. Maybe we launch a ladybug's day to predict the weather. See, the problem is all of these animals seem to predict the weather either that day or the next day. So far, I don't see any records that they can predict an early spring or something along those lines. Let me know what you think. 800-848-9222. Until next hour, your influence counts, so use it.